0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Marty. And uh, we do this podcast every week. In the middle of an earthquake there. I'm just kidding. This podcast every week or we attempt to and um, mainly talk about cannabis and aquaponic growing, um, sometimes a little bit more one or the other. Um, But uh, yeah, so... um, Marty, what have you been up to this week in your garden? Um, well, just
1: kind of working on the indoor a little bit. I put up some insulation on the walls and got that done, and uh, that worked out pretty well. They didn't have the soundboard stuff I liked, but they had uh, just the regular styrofoam insulation, so I grabbed that instead. And um, let's see. Oh, I had the, I sent Steve, I think I sent you the pictures of it. The um, I found some eggs. And the catfish tank um, that were stuck in the pump. And there was a couple other sacks that I found in there also. So I fished those out and uh, um, put them in a separate tank and uh, see if they hatch. It's pretty random, though. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, other than that, it's just been kind of cruise control, doing little little stuff now. Most of the big setup has been done. All the soil plants are in the ground, uh, all the aquaponic plants are, you know, through the dual root zone and down into the, into the water, so, yeah, it's been a pretty lax week for me, just, uh, getting little stuff done, how about you?
0: Um, not much, just, um, working on some projects, we're, um, yeah, I guess I'll wait and see if, uh. Everything works out. Tate, our guest, will be here in a little bit. Um he's um uh had a problem with one of his uh I think his wife's vehicle or something. He had to go pick her up or something like that. So um he's running a little late, but he'll be with us shortly. But um yeah, I've been just getting some stuff ready. We're we're gonna be doing a really cool project, hopefully out here soon in Humboldt. Um and just kind of been working on getting some of the details together for that working on um, some other stuff here um, in Colorado and just kind of catching up with being back in, in Colorado for a couple of weeks before I jet off to the next place, which is, oh, man, it's just nice to be in one spot for a little while, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure.
0: You Are you off to Canada next? No, next will be Humboldt, and then um, either call up, back to Colorado for a short bit and then um uh, back to Jamaica shortly thereafter. At least that's the way it looks right now. So Cool. How
1: yeah. are things at the at the other grow in Canada? They?
0: I don't know, I haven't really heard from them much in the last couple of weeks. So not much happening. Yeah, I'm not sure. Just uh, I've had so many other things in front of me if they're not you know if someone's not reaching out at the time I'm not uh, not always on top of it so <laughs> I apologize for that one but, um, yeah so far as I as far as I know they're doing well
1: right on I mean you kind of gave them the marching orders right so no news is good news in some cases
0: yeah well gave them a bunch of useful information and worked did a bunch of good work with them. so
1: Good. Um, how is your licensing progressing? Anything happening there?
0: In Jamaica? Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Now, there's somebody there, down there, that's kind of just handling all of that for me. So Usually, I just get a headache when I read it. It's not because it, we're having problems. It's just, it's a nightmare in its current state, so I just don't, um, I don't know. I just, I've only been back like a week or so, so I'm still trying to to get everything else in order. So, but I haven't, uh, haven't heard anything negative or anything like that. Cool. So, I, uh, I know there was just a big article in Jamaica an observer about it. So, about, um, like legalization coming and everything. So, you know, a store store in anyway. So that's been really cool um did you have any questions or anything this past week or two or did you want to tell us anything more you know i know you were gone for uh two weeks did you have any other more things other topics or anything you wanted to bring up from from before
1: um the only question that i had recently was on one of them about uh we had mentioned a couple different soil kits and one of them had uh um uh what was it neem i think neem cake in it and was asking about you know that it is obviously toxic to fish at you know moderate levels even so um you know just talked about how to apply that if you want to apply it you know either as a foiler spray or just um, in the dual root zone so it doesn't get into the system yeah um so that was that was pretty much the only question that um, that I think they had about that. I'll look here. There might have been one other one other issue with that one. Oh, that was um, that it included some stuff to be able to supplement nitrogen. And while obviously you know you're not generally going to have to do that, it's not necessarily bad to have around. So um, it's just a good place to start. Just sort of a you know a place to look at. I think it was the build a soil one that. They were looking at that i think i talked about at one point so at any rate um so you you can use neem neem cake or neem oil um, just try to keep it out of the water it's not not great for fish so either do a light spray um or just uh, apply it through a top dress in your dual root zone and water it in would be my suggestion or there's other options besides that as well
0: Um we had some other questions. Um so there's ones I'm prepping to start an aquaponics grow and had some questions on a setup. Um for fish, how many would you suggest? I'm looking to do four 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 by four grow beds with four to five plants each and a five hundred gallon fish tank. Um so for that many plants, you know, you could do, you know, easily thirty five or forty fish. Um, and shouldn't have too much of a problem. I wouldn't go much beyond that because, you know, cannabis plants feed very, very heavily. Um, but you want to make sure that you know you're you're able to, you know, cut back their feeding and switch to a much more vegetable dominant, um, you know, veggie heavy, more romaine lettuce and you know leaf scraps from the from the garden and and things like that for, for the second half of flower. Um, in place of their uh, their pellets and things like that. It really helps boost the phosphorus as well as um, reduce nitrogen output. It will still produce some nitrogen, but it does help reduce some, you know, by a a noticeable amount. Do you have any uh, suggestions on that, Marty? Um,
1: No, I think that, I mean, that probably about sums it up. I mean, yeah, obviously you want less nitrogen when you're in flower, you know, I guess ideally, you know, you want to shoot for about half as much as when you're in veg. So, you know, pretty much any way that you can adjust that works. You can, um, if you want to have more fish, you can do um, like companion planting and plant things like greens and stuff like that, which is what what I do um, to be able to absorb a lot of that nitrogen that's still being produced and allow your system to be a little bit more diverse, and <clears throat> and I think a way to help balance it out. So that's what uh, you know. If you do want to do more fish than that, or I would say you know just in general, I would recommend uh, companion uh, planting. But that's one thing that you can do if you um, if you want. Is you can always just add you know more plants that uh, you can eat or you can use for pest control or bait plants like peppermint or. Uh, rosemary, oregano, you know, pretty much any any of those things are are fine to grow and use in your pest management. Lemongrass, any of that stuff.
0: Um, so I had a someone had a question about capao, um, if it was safe to use in veg or flower. Capao um, is really 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 great for veg, uh, for mites or other insects. as a general insect for thrips and a whole bunch of other insects, but it's not good for flower. It will burn your flowers and can make your flowers smaller. Um, so just be, you know, keep that in mind. Um, but it is about, yeah,
1: especially if you do extracts, the, yeah. anything that is oil based will absorb into, into a bud. once you're, you know, I would say like four weeks or so, you know, you're, you're going to start having absorption in, into the flower and, uh, so I wouldn't recommend any, anything that is an oil-based product. They're, they're great for killing bugs, um, but especially if you're going to do extracts, you'll, you'll give it to your extractor, you'll you know, run it through, and you'll end up with product, and then you'll end up with how much of her oil got absorbed in there also, and pretty much, for the most part, ruin it. So um, I would not recommend anything oil-based and flour. I mean, there's, there's a few options that you can use. Um, I know like a uh, big time exterminator is really popular in the, um, uh, the PFA group. And uh, they say that you can use that up to like three days before flower because it's just enzyme and water. So there's no, no oil-based um, H2O2. It's obviously one of the things you can spray because it, it's going to evaporate as opposed to absorb. Um, but you do create sort of a microbial vacuum when you do that on your plant. Um, so I, I would recommend following that up with like a worm tea, um, or something like that as a foiler spray so that you don't have, uh, a vacuum for things like powdery mold to start growing in.
0: Yeah. Or even, um, silica foliar sprays are really good as well. Yeah. For getting that barrier back up.
1: Right. I'm not on the
0: YouTube thing, I I can't see chat. I got it. Okay, what else do we have here? So um, plan on using your dual root zone pots. Um, Do you recommend using the chop design? Um, Chop's okay, chop two is a little bit better. You're going from everything back to the sump, so your your main pump goes up to your feed line for from the sump tank, up to your um, grow beds as well as your fish tank all at once, and then they all circulate. Their returns are all returning back to the the fish tank or to the sump. I'm sorry, Um, that really is the best way to go, um, at least in my experience. Now you get into the commercial scale, it changes up a little bit, but um, you know, for a smaller, smaller system or a home system or something, you know, that's about all you really need. Um, do you have any suggestions for lights specifically with aquaponics? Uh, are there any concerns with heat or light cycle for the fish? Um, so for lights, um, oh, do you have anything uh, comments on the chop, the chop design? Not this. really, I don't.
1: I don't have a problem with it. I mean, obviously. Um, I, people use it all the time. Pretty much I'm in favor of anything that grows plants and that has been proven to grow plants. So, um, whether or not it's like, a, you know, more or less stressful for the fish, I don't, I'm not even sure how you measure that. I'm sure there is a way, but for me, I, I have no issue with it. I think for, like you're saying, for smaller systems, uh, a lot of times they just end up, you know, making the most sense. And, um, so I, I have a number of, different systems here obviously i have i think three functioning right now but i think i've probably built like a dozen of them and so i think that uh, you know i'm a i'm a big advocate of using what you have available to you um to to make something that works so i think if a chop system makes sense for you and that, that's what you understand and that's what you feel like you can run then more power to you What was the next question? I forgot.
0: Steve, are you there? What's that? Sorry about that. Oh. What was the next question? I forgot. Uh, something came up on my Um, So the next question was, do you have any suggestions for light specifically with aquaponics? Are there any concerns for heat and light cycle for the fish? Um, So specifically for aquaponics, um, (laughs) it's funny you say that. So it really depends. Actually, this is a great topic we can get into um, for lighting and aquaponics. So uh, it depends on what you're looking to do and what you're looking to grow, what you want to invest, and how much you want to invest over time, um, and what kind of power bill you want. So, um, your entry-level lights are your fluorescents, um, or your compact fluorescents. Um, those, those are really good, cheap lights. Um, they work really well. They're real good entry-level lights, um, but they do need to be replaced every eight months or so, as far as bulbs, um, every eight to 10 months. Um, otherwise, you're gonna get a lot of, a lot of um, light degradation. Um, your next step up is going to be your metal halide and ceramic, or metal halide and high pressure sodium, um, and then now they both have ver- ceramic versions, which are much higher light output. They run much cooler and they use lower wattage. So if you are looking into those, highly suggest going to a ceramic metal halide or ceramic high pressure sodium. The ceramic high pressure sodiums I've had a chance to see a couple, but they won't be on the market until next month. Um, which is only like a week or two away but um, yeah they're they're pretty neat um, there's a few testers floating around i've seen so um, they're really 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 cool but they also run much colder um, and then you have induction lighting induction lighting is a, kind of like a magnetically stabilized fluorescent or it's like a type of uh fluorescent that's magnetically stabilized and they um provide uh, a 25-year bulb life uh, compared to, you know, the one-year bulb life-ish with the the metal halides. Um, I don't actually know the the bulb life of the ceramic metal halides. I don't have one at the moment, but if anyone happens to know and wants to chime in, um, definitely let me know, or if you happen to know, uh, let me know. Um, But the... um, I do know that the induction, most of the inductions are 25-year bulb life. Um, You do need to supplement the far red for those. Um, Or, you know, it definitely benefits from supplementing far red with the inductions. Um, But they're very easy to add. Now, some of the other bulbs and some of the newer induction bulbs compensate for that. But um, it's just something I haven't had a chance to play a ton with. Um, And then you also have your plasmas now plasmas are really really nice because they put out a really broad spectrum if you're looking to do flowering room um plasmas are really good for flower but just remember they put most of them put out uvc which is not good for your eyes and it can also give you sunburn so make sure you cover your skin wear some sunscreen and um you know some sunglasses or grow glasses when you're in your garden when you're running one of those lights and then you also have led which have a uh, real cool or real long, real, real long running, you know, replacement time, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, depending on the fixture. Um, but you do need to worry about, um, uh, you know, they are a little bit more pricey. The light spectrum isn't quite as perfect as as some of the others. Well, some of the newer ones are pretty good, but um, a lot of them aren't very good, especially the Chinese ones. You know, there's a lot of cheap Chinese ones out there that just, uh. um you know don't cut it but they you know they sell them as really good and it's easy to get ripped off um so um definitely with the LEDs you know you you need you will get what you pay for so you know make sure you get with a reputable company or one that's got a bunch of you know side by sides and and things like that um my personal favorite right now is the ceramic metal halides um, or, you know, the inductions are really nice if you're looking for like a bedroom that you want to run, you know, um, a, a little bit cooler. Both of them run much cooler than the other options. So um, the nice thing about, again, the induction is the long bulb replacement time. Um, any concerns for heat or light cycle with the fish? Um, so heat for the fish, it's very important. Uh, uh, before I get to that, Marty, what are your opinion on lighting?
1: Um, yeah, I think that, you know, for the most part, you just have to weigh the pros and cons of your environment. So like, for instance, I have, um, I have both metal halide lights and I have LEDs. Um, and I run the LEDs in the summertime when I, I want it to be cooler in the room and in the wintertime, I wanted to be warmer. I actually use the metal halides as more like heaters than any, anything else. So it just works out that way so that I don't have to run the heater as often or the air conditioner as often, uh, depending on what time of year it is. So I try to make sure that I can be able to swap those out. So, um, and, and I think there's definitely a lot of evidence that shows that mixing different ones, like I know a lot of people that mix metal halide with high pressure sodium inside of the same room to get an overlap of spectrum. And I've had multiple people report to me that their their yields are, are bigger when doing that. So yeah. a lot of times they would go for like a three to one ratio where you have three HPS and one metal halide. Um, and, and basically in an area and be able to produce really well with that. It better than just all HPS. So uh, that was the comparison that they, they did. And it was a whole group of them um, That Ended up you know sort of one talks to the other one into doing it once they see the other one doing it So there's probably at least four of them now that have have reproduced those results. So I there's a couple of them that have posted videos. So I think I'll I'll dig those up and send them over Um, May I'll post them on the um, Description of the video so that would that'd be the only thing that I would add to what you had to say. For the most part, it's, I, you know, I feel like it's just a matter of what you want to do, you know, metal halides or, you know, or HPS, you know, maybe the exception, like you were saying of the, um, the CMH, uh, those are definitely going to run a lot cooler in comparison to the other ones and light efficiency can become a complicated topic to debate, but you know, for the most part, it's how much light is produced as opposed to heat and whatever light you're using. So the more heat that you put out per watt, the less light you're going to put out per watt. Um, so I would say the, for me, I don't really have a preference like LED versus the metal halides or, you know, it's kind of whatever works best at the time for me. I have good, good success with both of them. And uh, I even have cheap eBay lights from China. And uh, I think if you just do a little bit of research and understand what they are and know that max power ratings on LEDs are 90% bullshit. And um, basically, they never consume that much power. So it's usually about half. So like my 600-watt LED lights only consume 284 watts. So... That you know that right there is a incredibly misleading thing and a lot of times that I uh, When I see people that have um, Or that are unhappy with their LED lights a lot of times they're underpowering them simply because they're calculating their watts per square footage based on uh, the max power ratings as opposed to the actual power draw and then trying to compare that to Uh, an HPS light like a 600 watt HPS, which is a single bulb with no connection and uh, um, So or no additional connections like LEDs are a hundred little bulbs wired together as opposed to one bulb and so it, It can be a little bit complicated to compare some of them but I think for the most part, you know if you understand that the Variables are how much heat is created in your room that you're then therefore also going to have to account for so well HPS might produce great results. You're also going to have an increased uh, load on your air conditioner, so That's my two cents. I suppose whatever works out best for whatever room you have if it's really hot in there then uh, you know you might have to invest in a really good air conditioner if you want to run, you know, five HPS in there. It's gonna be a lot hotter than you think if you haven't done it before.
0: Yep. You're gonna definitely need to vent that room. That's for sure. Um what was the next one? Uh okay. Are there any concerns with heat or light cycle for the fish? Um, so there isn't really any with the light cycle, but definitely heat. You know, you never want to have uh, temperature fluctuation with your fish. It's the quickest way to get them sick and kill them. Um, so definitely, you know, watch that. It's not something you want. It's pH fluctuation and temperature fluctuation are the two biggest causes of fish issues in in all of aquaponics. So definitely want to avoid those. Um final question uh for grow this size it will be in a garage sealed around windows and doors you suggest any other tent style seal um no you don't need really need to do a grow you know put it in a tent there's no real reason to um you could just put it all you know maybe definitely build in some kind of ventilation or something in that window you got um and make sure no one can break in but aside from that you know um Throw an air filter on there so you're not stinking it up in the neighborhood. Don't get a neighbor complaining on you, and then, uh, you know, let her rip. Well,
1: you you might need to cover the window if you're going to try and flower, um, you know, outside of daylight hours. So, you know, if you – you know, it it has to be dark in there completely when it's supposed to be dark. So um, if your lights are turned off for your dark period – and there's still light in the room, then you're more than likely going to end up with, with hermaphrodites. So if, like for, for instance, in the summertime right now, um, if you have a window, then you're going to end up with light coming into the room when it's supposed to be dark at some point because there's more, more light than 12 hours a day, which is why they veg outside. So um, that would be the only reason I could think of that, that you would absolutely have to cover up those windows
0: and stuff to make sure that you don't have any light leaks. Absolutely. Um, okay, He th- says, uh, thanks, love watching your videos. Um, and someone else asked, um, they're curious if the Keto Life nutrients are safe to use with fish. Um, so the ones that, that are safe to use with them are um, the Keto Kelp, uh, the Keto Silica. The root left microbes, the growers magic, the molasses magic, the Fosboost, the keta f- foliar, the keta uptake, and the root life fungi, um, and uh, yeah, so that'll be that'll be really great. Um, hoping, um, hoping Tate will be on here, and we'll have we got something we're going to talk about with him when he gets on. Should be pretty cool. Um, we also are going to talk about boron today. Um, borons uh, very important for your plants. Um, it helps a lot with uh, uh, different parts of the flower formation and and um, uh, many different things that are important for flower. Um, in aquaponics, you want to about ideally 0.3 parts per million to 0.5 parts per million. You can go as high as one part per million without having much of an issue. Um, and the best ways to dose that are with uh, borax or sodium borate or uh, boric acid, um, both of those are, uh, you know, do perfectly fine for for dosing with those. Um, borax is really really easy. You can get that at you know, any Walmart or other kind of store. I used to regularly buy it um, around the corner at a box store for doing taxidermy and stuff. So it's also a great thing you can spread around your greenhouse if you need insect control. Um, If you have ants, especially, or roaches, or any kind of bugs that are crawling around the floor of your your greenhouse, you can sprinkle borax around all around and then the insects crawl across, they clean themselves, they eat it and they die. Um, And it works extremely well, it's real safe, I use a lot in the pet industry, Um, won't harm your kid, won't harm your dog, won't harm your cat, won't harm your snake. Won't harm your fish. Won't harm the plants. You know, it's it's pretty safe. Um, and yeah, so that's that's what I had for boron for this week. Um, what other questions do we have here uh, for this week? We have. Um, you had a a topic you wanted. what well, do you to think about that?
1: my catfish randomly breeding and i oh, went and yeah. read a little bit about it and it seems like it they're supposed to be a little bit more selective than that
0: yeah that was pretty strange when you want to talk about that
1: i was hoping you could talk about it because i don't know anything about it
0: oh <laughs> uh, well do you want to tell them what happened and then we can talk
1: yeah well i, I mentioned it a little bit ago was that i basically went out to check on the outdoor system, and uh, the pump wasn't putting out very much water the um, I could tell just by walking up to it um, and it was just barely trickling out. And so normally what happens is, is you know there's something stuck in the pump or um, something like that. And so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just unplug the pump and whatever is stuck in it gets pushed out by the water pressure and uh, Then I just plug it back in, and it's good to go again. Well, this time, it didn't work, and so I had to pull up the pump to find out what it was, and I pulled it up, and I found a big white sack of fish eggs that was uh, all stuck in the pump. And Then I looked around the tank, and there was like two other globs um, of eggs. So I fished those out and put them in a separate tank with an air stone, and they're in the garage now, just uh, filled it up with water from the tank that they were in. And I just have a little ten gallon tank and so that I that's just pretty much the entirety of it. I didn't really have any idea that they, I mean obviously I knew fish would breed, but I thought that it wouldn't require, you know, specific conditions, I suppose.
0: Yeah, sometimes if we just drop the temperature and bring the temperature back up, a lot of the North American fish especially will breed just kind of on their own. Koi, well, koi and goldfish aren't native, but they're native to this latitude, so it's you know all the same to them. Um, The catfish, or you know, the channel cats, are are from around here, so they're um, you know they'll definitely breed out if you get a temperature change. Uh, If especially if you're taking real good care of them and all, you know, that's definitely a possibility um, that they could do that for sure. Um, I was trying to figure out, you know, I'm pretty sure it's the catfish, but usually they lay you know a few thousand eggs um did you notice any kind of swelling on them or anything like that or
1: i didn't know um i've been checking the tank though because i'm a little <laughs> a little paranoid now that there's going to be a bunch more of them in there because I, I read the same thing and you know there's a large number of eggs um in there but i'm not sure or, or that we fished out of it but There's definitely not like 10,000 or whatever, like what I was reading. So, you know, I would say there's probably, you know, at least a few hundred, but probably not more than, probably not more than 400.
0: Um, So did you see that this week uh, Microsoft signed a deal to start partnering up with a cannabis um, software company? That does uh, cannabis software tracking and all that. So that was no, pretty I didn't. Yeah, that makes you wonder about what's going to happen with the rescheduling coming up. You now there's a bunch of rumors. People are getting their pennies in a bunch over the uh, the rescheduling rumors about it possibly going to schedule two, which could have some pretty enormous implications for the uh, for the market because that would move it to a medical product and could have some pretty negative impacts on the industry.
1: Yeah, there seems to be a pretty general consensus that it will not be good, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that would be bad because it would move it into the pharmaceutical realm and then we'll see we'll see what happens after that and see if they don't try to cash grab it and force out everyone that's currently in the market, which is I mean, that would pretty much just be like declaring war on everyone that's fought hard to get it to the point where it is. You know, that would just be, that would just get really ugly really quickly. Not to mention the amount of money that would change hands pretty quickly. It would be pretty ludicrous. So, we'll see what happens. If what that ends up being rescheduled to, if it's schedule two or schedule three, or it needs to be descheduled completely, to be honest with you, but if they're gonna do it, it should be scheduled four, if anything. Well, I mean,
1: if, yeah, if anything, but where's it at right now? So, <laughs> I guess my my expectations are that they will fuck it up. That's my like.
0: Yeah, that's true. Who knows? That's well, Maybe just I'm scheduled act like retards again we'll see or idiots or whatever you want to call them uneducated morons
1: I, you know i want to believe but you know then again I, we also are limited to 10 milligram edibles and organs for well, patients uh, including you know, you know like why would i think they would awesome. base anything off of actual data or information or results or documented cases or anything else like I don't know. I'm sure I sound like a cynic, but I suppose I am.
0: You know, we've just seen the same shit over and over again. It just gets annoying. Um, For sure. Uruguay, uh, its first legal harvest, um, the first two big national companies did. Um, That's kind of cool. Sorry. We are a little... We are supposed to be... uh, Originally with Tate at the moment, so we're trying to fill out a little bit of time. Trying to fill out a little bit of time in the meantime until he gets here. He said a little bit of an emergency. Seems to happen a lot on our show. Random stuff <laughs> going up. Um, uh, so um, they're still trying to get enough signatures for the uh, the cannabis um pot club stuff for Denver. Um, should be on the ballot, but uh. I think it's the springs that are looking for some more signatures um as well, oh no, as well as Denver they're still looking for a few more signatures, so if you guys are in Denver or the Colorado Springs, you know get out there and sign that petition or if you're in the area, go sign it, help them get that passed. you know there's no reason why we can't turn Denver into something that resembles Amsterdam or just Colorado it'll bring a whole a whole bunch more tourist money and a whole bunch more you know uh income into this and and jobs for people because right now the housing market's pretty insane, and we need some more you know we gotta bring some more money into the city so we can people can afford all that so um
1: yeah, the real estate here has gone insane like
0: crazy. oh you don't even know uh, in five years the rent's doubled
1: oh yeah, yeah, I would say that it's a, at least like 35% increase on anything that has land. And then since the um, the restrictions have come out in Jackson County, anything that uh, is zone residential value has gone way down and anything that is EFU has gone way up. So um, just cause obviously you're restricted on how much you can grow on anything that's rural residential. Um, and you're not on anything that's EFU or industrial or any of those things so you there's a, a big difference in the <clears throat> discrepancy in price just based on where it's zoned if you have two houses that are basically the same <clears throat> and one is zoned residential and another one is zoned EFU then it's going to be easily 30 to 40% more just because you can grow 30 to 40% more plants so it just you know it's math and it makes sense, but I, I feel like that's a big part of what they want to manipulate um, is the property values. Um, so obviously I'm going to go ahead and say that they probably have a lot of friends on the council that have uh, uh, EFU zone land out there. That's my guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm trying to find, uh, oh here it is um, so they did a, a study a two year study on um, how, how uh, cannabis affects plaque buildup in relation to both seizures like strokes and stuff and uh, heart you know heart disease and they found that mm-hmm. cannabis users had a much lower rate of plaque buildup so we can eat all that butter definitely smoke your weed
1: nice they go hand in hand too. Actually, you can just take yeah. your meat right in the butter.
0: Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's a double and one. I have to feel so bad about those pot cookies no more. Yeah. You know. It's true. There was a forty-five-year-old man found dead in the UK after being electrocuted in his crew. Hey, let's talk about that. That's a great topic. So you should never, ever, 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 ever put outlets or power cords or extension cords on the ground in your grow. Um, Even if it's outside. Actually, even
1: even more so.
0: Yeah. Always put them up on a brick or up on a cinder block and, and tape them up. Um, you know, just get them off the ground because sooner or later you're gonna have a leak. Something's gonna spill. Something's gonna do this. Something's gonna do that, and you're gonna have to you know account for it. And it's gonna screw stuff up. So you don't want to do that, and you know you want to make sure that you're having uh you know.
1: I'll take a video of what I did in the garage um, out there because I actually set it up so that I have a cord that hangs down. That's um, like a, a, I guess, like a surge protector, power strip kind of thing. So that, you know, if for whatever reason, like something fell or whatever else, the cord isn't long enough to be able to still reach the floor or the tank or anything really that <clears throat> can be wet. So if it for whatever reason fall down or got pulled down, it would just unplug and come out of this, the plug that's in the ceiling. So it's not. It's not physically possible for the electricity to get to the bottom. So I'll take a video, so it makes more sense. It's probably harder to explain than just show.
0: That's cool. I'll have to um, show you guys too what I did for my grow. I have um, GFI's in my grow, and then I have uh, there's a small sub sub panel that has breakers for all the different sets of three or four outlets and then i have um uh what's it called another breaker upstairs that goes to the main breaker that i can shut the whole thing off and on so it's pretty much got triple redundancy um so the chances of all of those failing if one after the other is pretty much impossible
1: makes sense it's a good idea
0: Yeah, it makes it real safe, but I also have all my ballasts, all my, anything that's electrical is up at least up on a cinder block, on a railroad tie, or, you know, something else that's just big underneath the grow beds that just keeps them from getting wet or anything like that. Right. Also keeps them, you know, if they're up on a cinder block and they're over concrete, they can't, even if it smolders or catches fire, it's not going to catch anything else in the room on fire even in a worst case scenario.
1: I put on uh, for my outside one, I just drilled a couple holes in a tote and uh, put the, you know, fed it through there, put the lid on, and then put it on some landscaping bricks. So it sits up off the top and um, it doesn't ever get wet in there. Um, and seems to work, work really well. So for outside, I just, you know, some way to, to cover it up and make sure you're not just leaving it sitting on the ground. like you know, it was especially a concern for me because my kids play out there all the time. So, you know, you got, for whatever reason, get a puddle of water on the ground and, you know, they run up to get the hose and, you know, it's just going to be sitting there alive. So, I you know, make sure you take precautions for that kind of stuff, especially if you have pets. You know, my dog obviously could go up to get a drink and zap itself. So, you know, just, just be cautious, especially outside. You know, sometimes it can be easy to, <laughs> not be as concerned to stuff like that, um, you know, when you're, when you're working outside, but you know, stuff floods outside too. So. I just, wanted,
0: just wanted to say at the moment, it looks like, and I know this is kind of not super related to our American homies, but actually we have gotten one or two people writing us from the UK, some UK growers, um, man, looks like you guys might be leaving the EU that could really screw up your ability to get growing supplies. So I feel bad for <laughs> you. Yeah, forget yeah. all the politics. I feel bad for the growers. That's right. <laughs> always I don't feel
1: bad, bad for, for politicians
0: me. ever. But um, but yeah. So hopefully we'll actually be out in Humboldt here in the next month or so before we go back to Jamaica. Um, when we go back to Jamaica, it's going to be construction time. So. We we'll have a bunch of stuff. Maybe you can do live. We can do some live episodes from um, the construction site and everything. it will be pretty dope. And um, uh, out in Humboldt, we have a project that we'll be able to tell you guys a little bit more about uh, soon. But um, we have a uh, nutrient nutrient line we've been working on um, that will be put out here soon. That's aquaponic safe, um, along with a bunch of other stuff. In fact, we we're going to talk about that. I'll just get to it now. At the moment, with with Tate from Kita Life, his he's got a bunch of really awesome products that we use a lot. Back when I worked at Aquaponic Source, they've been up on Aquaponic Source's website for over two years. Um, there's a ton of cool people that have used them um, in uh, in their aquaponic systems without any problem at all, um, as long as you follow dosing directions for you know the adjustment for it, um, and avoid the ones that are high in nitrogen. Um, but um, we're going to be working with them to bring up this uh, It's safe, um, nutrient just designed just for cannabis, all mineral based fish safe. Even if you want to dose it directly into the system, you can, um, it works better in a dual root zone type setup, but there's no problem at all with it getting into the water or anything like that. Um, as well as a mineral based hydro line, if you want to, uh, run the system in the beginning before you put fish in it, or, um, you know, you just decide you don't, it's too cold or whatever, and you can't quite run the fish in the winter or you know this that or the other reason that you you can't for, for the time being um you know, it'll be a nice or you know nice mineral based option for you um but we haven't had a chance to um to uh i don't have any more details on that yet but it'll be it'll be available soon we've been actually giving out some some test batches um back with the uh um with atria before um, of some of the formula um, and we've actually had some feedback on some of the people that we've sent it out to from the show. Um, any of you guys that have uh, received it from from the show or, and all and, and have wanted it uh, if you guys are listening to this episode, feel free to chime in and um, you know tell us what what your feedback is and all. Um, and uh, yeah, so it'll be real exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, they have a bunch of different cool stuff. Um, you know, earlier I mentioned about which of the products are really good. The best one, honestly, that they have, uh, for aquaponic stuff is the, um, the key to silica, which is just a silica, nice fish safe silica, but also a micronutrient booster. So that helps a lot with color and, you know, a bunch of different things. It has a wide range of micronutrients in it. Um, and it's very, very good for that kind of stuff. Um, as far as just a general silica plus micronutrient, it's pretty much the best fish safe one that's on the market i don't really think there's anything else even close to close to like it um that i've seen out there uh certainly nothing that i tested by current company or working at the aquaponics source for sure so
1: speaking of nutrients what's up with your your magic blue solution
0: um we're still working with that um we, i can send you a test batch here we're, we're brewing up a whole new big test batch to send out to people um, and get some more feedback on um obviously there's epa registration and a whole bunch of other crap that has to be done you know before it can go to sale but um yeah that's coming along we've been doing some tests and some feedback we're actually we're going to have feedback here on a, a full run versus a full run without it, uh, same nutrients uh, with two different nutrient types here shortly so nice yeah i've been doing a bunch of cool stuff talking about a bunch of cool <coughs> some cool projects that i can't quite talk to you guys about yet fortunately but yeah we'll be on humboldt with some some videos some and aquaponic and non aquaponics systems and plant.com and um, that'll be really really awesome um, definitely go and check out gardens.com if you haven't already um, I also know that uh, True Aquaponics is going to be carrying the uh, the nutrient line as well um, and they were on the, the show last week so I want to shout out to them as well and uh, thank them for that um, yeah so uh, we also do, uh, I guess, since we're doing website shout outs, we'll also throw in realgrowers.com um, and uh, the dude grows.com for uh, hosting us and, and letting us have our, you know, a bunch of blogs up there now. If you guys haven't checked it out, go, go over and check that out at, uh, at Dude Grows under aquaponics. Um, they have a bunch of really cool, uh, I know Vlad's been posting a bunch of uh, really cool aquaponic articles on there, who's um, another guy that um, we'll get on the show. Uh, we were hoping to get him on this this week, and then we we had he wasn't able to last minute. So we had uh, right before I was going to post, so that we had Tate, and then he had an emergency. So it's kind of funny, but he'll be on the show here soon at some point. Um, but he's um, I forget how I got onto that topic in the beginning, but oh, Vlad's been posting a bunch of real good uh, articles on there about aquaponics. If you're looking to learn more about microbes or lighting or some other cool um, things, specifically in regards to aquaponic cannabis. He's uh, even aquaponic plants, even non-cannabis stuff. Um, but in relation to flowering, fruiting stuff that's relevant to cannabis, he posted a bunch of really cool stuff over there. So definitely check that out. Cool. Um, yeah, I like
1: the um, the do grow site. It's pretty, yeah, pretty,
0: pretty informative. informative. Let me uh. Text Tate and see see if he's going to be able to make it in time or not. Apologize to everyone on the waiting part. Um, But yeah, they have a bunch of really cool, um, I'll talk about them for a little bit longer for a minute. They have a whole bunch of really cool mineral base um, and fulvic acid based um, nutrients that work really well with fish um you don't really have to do you know worry too much about it we have a we we'll have um dosing charts and all that up here in the next couple of days for fish and all um so that'll be pretty neat um I'm I'm doing a little consulting full disclosure for them for doing the dosing and some of the stuff with that and, the, and helping them out on some other projects and helping them get this um aquaponic nutrient lineup so you know so uh No one thinks I'm being sneaky about it or anything. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I don't. uh, um, Yeah. They're helping us bring this aquaponic nutrient um, that will be hopefully changing up a lot of things for all the general fruiting firing production in in, uh, both cannabis and non-cannabis for aquaponics and um, offer a bunch of other solutions for some other, some other things. uh, If you're looking to boost um, especially flavor and some other things in your in your plants. Uh, all right. Uh sorry, I'm trying to think of uh oh. So um have what do you have any other ta- uh we had another question. I forget what it was. And I was trying to find it in my email. The guy asked if we could go talk more or if you could talk more about how you maybe like the process of how you make your teas or your ferments that you're currently making. Um, sure. Um, so
1: for me, I have basically, I start pretty much everything with a Bokashi bucket in the kitchen. So everything that I put in there would be like banana peels, corn husks, um, you know, nectarine pits, uh, you know, just a wide variety of scraps that otherwise just throw away. And it just goes in in a a bucket with a lid (laughs) that I fill about halfway with water. And then I um, I put in uh, Bokashi and uh, just let it soak in there until the bucket gets full, essentially. I just keep adding stuff to it until it gets full. And that's kind of like a pre-soak before it goes to the worm bin, so on the front porch I have the worm bin, so I pour all that uh, that same stuff, the water, everything in there, then I refill it halfway up and I re-inoculate it with the uh, Bokashi. And, um, put it back in the kitchen and then um stir the stuff in for the worms add another layer over the top of it and uh give them a good dose of water and uh, that's how um that water runs through down out the bottom and that's how essentially i get my worm juice which i can either use as a concentrate i can mix it 50 50 and aerate it for a tea i can add it to an anaerobic um uh, ferment. If I want to do like labs, for instance, you you don't aerate those, or I yeah. don't. Some people do. I don't. Yeah. You, so so for you an anaerobic aerobic, fermentation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do an anaerobic fermentation. You. So you can actually do that in a. You. If it's fully recirculating and you're just pumping the air from the chamber back in through the bottom, you can you can actually churn it up and still keep it anaerobic. Um, and it'll actually grow even quicker, but it is, again, you have to have, like, the right kind of setup, and it can be kind of pricey and a little difficult to work with.
1: Right. So mine, I just do my anaerobic uh, fermentations in uh, in a 55-gallon drum, and uh, I essentially use it like a, like a tea bag, and I'll, I'll soak anything from, like, you know, just, like, discount fruit. If I find some at the store, like, a lot of times they'll have uh, you know, like bags of apples that are like, you know, 80% off because they're mostly rotten. Um, so pretty much a, a, any fruit for the most part. I, You know, a lot of bananas, uh, apples. Um, I, my family has orchards and they have apples and pears and things like that. So sometimes I'll just scoop up some stuff when I'm over there and bring it back over to add to my fermentations. So, and then that's pretty much it. I can can add the concentrate. I've added it to the, in various different ways. I've uh, added it just directly into the sump tank. I've added it into the beds. I've added it into the fish tank. Um, And none of them really seem to be any different, if I'm being really honest. So now I just basically pour it in the media bed uh, for the most part, um, unless I want to do a foiler spray, then I'll aerate it for about 24 hours um, with some other uh, stuff that I like to put in it. Um, like, uh, uh, what is it? Azomite, I think it's called, right? Uh, mineral dust essentially. Yep. Um, so I like to add that in and, uh, yeah, that's, that's been pretty much my routine. There's not really much more besides that. And, uh, I have a couple people like, I guess it's one thing I talked about. I had somebody who is, uh, just in a, a group, a local growers group here. And, uh, He was, his plant was not looking great at all. And he's a nutrient grower. He was, you know, basically feeding like nectar of the gods or, you know, roots organic or something like that. I can't remember now. Um, And essentially, you know, he couldn't figure out what was going on with his plant. I was like, you know, hey, you can come over and pick up some, some of this concentrate throw it on there and uh it seems to be working for him it's you know he did that yesterday and it's already looking way better than it was before and so trying to get um encourage people that are especially if you're having issues with the way that you're growing and you're looking to make a change to look at at, at least look at some of the more organic growing options because they're usually more more forgiving uh and easier to do so even if you can't build an aquaponic system right now you can Get some real basic soil amendments that will, you know, give you a better, my, or I guess a microbial profile at all and, uh, and help break down probably the salts from synthetic ser- fertilizers that are already in your soil. And, uh, you know, you can transition without, um, you know, building an aquaponics system right away or getting a worm bin right away or feel like you have to have all that stuff in place. Um, in order to do that. And even a lot of times you can get, you, know, you can buy castings at, at a local grow shop. You know, you can buy them at a um, you know local farmer's market here. We have a couple of places uh, that show up at the farmer's market and bring their castings and worms and teas and stuff that are already brewed and ready to go. It's really not that much different than, you know, than a bottle that you pour in, you know, it's really just opening a different bottle and pouring it in. Um, and mixing it up before you feed it, it's just you know warm tea for instance so um or or other amendments that you can you know even dry amendments that you can mix into that same tea and be able to to do some good and um so he's had some good success with that and i guess you know in the interest of just throwing some of that stuff out there to try and nudge people towards uh growing more organically instead of you know using um you know, salt-based fertilizers, synthetic fertilizers.
0: Um, so John Resnick says um, in chat uh, here, um, uh, he had a question about the where this uh, kelp is sourced, um, and uh, I don't actually know a hundred percent. I know it comes from the west coast, so I'm assuming it's the Pacific that would be a little silly for them to ship it there and then ship it back so um but i will find out for sure um he says yeah i'm cycling three foliar programs one of them is key to kelp another is key to silica the other is grow more as kelp because i know it also includes molybdenum um almost all your kelps so actually this actually is a great thing and um vlad just posted an article on this over at dude grows most of your kelp blends you're actually mostly adding the the growth hormones and the proteins from the kelp, that's the main thing you're adding, not so much the micronutrients. So while there are trace minerals in all of those, um, it definitely uh, you're, you're, the, the biggest benefit is those those, pro- those enzymes and those, those growth hormones that you're getting out of those more than anything else. Uh, this is also another good source of molybdenum is insect press. Um, I've never actually looked at, the molybdenum content of insect frass. I'm actually pretty curious on that. I had not heard that one before.
1: I've used insect frass in the you know in outdoor soil grows quite a bit. I've I've used it, but I don't I don't know anything about its molybdenum content. But we talked about that. I think what was it last week or the week before? I forget when you talked about molybdenum. Yep.
0: Molybdenum. Can you highlight that? one? yeah molybdenum was the last episode with um true aquaponics uh, see I remember yeah. some things yep, <laughs> but I have never so it says that it does contain some of it. I've never heard of it uh being real high oh that's interesting. I'll have to look into that more. I'll definitely try to dig into that more for next week huh. I'll have to check that out. He says, Dude Grow show episode 101, insect frost interview. So for those that are more interested, apparently that has more information. Definitely go check it out. Uh, the grass will provide you with protozoa as, as well. Hmm. Very cool. So I've never heard of the, uh, I've never been huge on the insect frost, but I know a lot of people really are uh, have a lot of good luck with it. Well, definitely. Thanks for the questions. Anybody else have any other questions? Um, anybody else in the chat? Is, there's um, a couple other people in chat here now, especially anyone else has any other questions or even anyone else's, if John or anyone else has been asking questions, their their questions? We'd love to, love to hear them. Sorry, the uh, our guest situation didn't work out quite as well today. We'll get it from we'll get that, uh, We'll get that worked out in the future. We just had a last-minute emergency, so it's so hoping to have him on here and get him to talk about a bunch of this stuff. And he's got a bunch of really cool information on organic nutrient supplementation, and you know, uh, you know what's fit. You know, him. I've been working with him a little bit on, or a lot of it in the last couple of years, on what's fish safe and some other things like that. So um, I wanted to get him on here and be able to talk about you know organic supplements because that's what he uses for all of his blends and um you know he knows a lot about how a lot of that stuff affects it so um he's was hoping to be a great guest we'll get him on a different episode i guess since it's looking like um at least at the moment he's not back yet so Um,
1: yeah my kids are about to burst through the door and be louder than anything else so probably have to wrap up pretty soon
0: yeah, so uh, I guess what we'll do is we'll, we'll wrap it up. Sorry, this episode wasn't quite up to par for what our normal our, our normal episodes are, but uh, it was a good time, and um, we'll hopefully get the the guest situation worked out. I'm gonna try and get a we have some future guests. So the uh, the, uh, the guys from Dude Grows are gonna be on the show with us here at some point in the near future, um, and then we're gonna get a we'll get Tate on from Dude from Keto Life. Um, We'll get Vlad on here and we have some other people. Vlad's a real good friend of mine and really, really, really smart aquaponic expert in terms of microbes and nutrients and anything you could really want to know in in regards to the higher end technical end. Um, So uh, we will definitely uh, have some really cool guests here in the future. We're going to try and, my goal in the future now is to try and always get a guest on the show. Or try to get a guest on as much as possible, as many times as possible, and try and get a good rotation. Maybe bring people on as a guest on a couple of times later on, but for now, trying to get people on, you know, just to get some variety on the show. and It was really cool talking about, um, you know, some different topics with each guest, and help, uh, especially since with just me and Marty, we're, we get stuck on our ways and some stuff sometimes. So it's nice to bring some some other thoughts and, and some other viewpoints and, and things like that. So, Yeah, that uh, sounds good. Do you want to talk about your channel and everything? and, and
1: we'll... Oh yeah, you can, uh, let's see. So the stuff we try to hit at the end all the time is, uh, so my channel is AP meds on YouTube. So YouTube, I think, was it? Slash C slash AP meds and uh, potent ponics for Steve's channel. Um, and you can find us on there each other's featured channels if you can, as long as you find one, you should be able to find the other one on the right hand side there. Yep. Um, there's a couple other ones on there as well. Definitely check out the, our featured growers there on the, on the sidebar on the channel. We have the Facebook group, which is the, um, is uh, Aquaponic Cannabis Growers. Uh, you can find us in there answering questions and sharing ideas and information on there. It's a good place to, uh, check that out. Um. Also give a shout out to the uh, Pro Addict Farmers Alliance group. Um, I get a lot of information out of there, especially um, like the fermentations and stuff like that. And I'm just starting to get more involved in. Um, and that's where I get a lot of my information is. Um, I highly recommend that you join that group and just be a fly on the wall for a little while and <clears throat> check out the, the resources in their file section because they're amazing. They have pretty much all the all the instructions and stuff that you need to do everything from mixing probiotic soil to making your own labs and Bokashi and um, activating them and just all kinds of different uh, information that's in the, re- um, the resource group of that page. And uh, yeah, other than that, we're you know, there's a number of aquaponics groups on Facebook just called Aquaponics. We've got true Aquaponics on here before from the True Aquaponics store. They have a group called True Aquaponics. Um, I think that's pretty much all of them. You got anything else, Steve?
0: Um, You can hit me up on email if you want, potentponics at gmail.com. If you have any questions or you want to write us or ask us about products or feedback or, I don't know, any kind of questions you got, we love uh, answering them on the show. Um, That's how we have, uh, gets us a lot of good content and, um, Help people learn about their growth and everything else. Um, No, I think that's about it. Um, I think we mentioned everybody else we normally mention in the episode earlier, so I won't run down the websites again. But um, yeah, so definitely visit us on your channels and hit us up on our websites or emails or whoever you want to get in contact with us. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys again soon. Cheers. Thanks a lot.